Knock, knock. Who's there? Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. Memoirs of a Modern Marriage who? Memoirs of a Modern Marriage.com. Oh, shit. You mean I can go to the site and request to be a guest? Fuck yeah. If you want to get in on this nonsensical conversation, hop onto our site and request to be a guest today. Bonus points if you're a furry couple. Also, don't forget to check us out on our social media sites. Links are in the description. Now get ready to start your week off meh. Holy shit, would you look at the time. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. We're your humble hosts. My name is Dave. And I'm Liz. And today we are welcoming some very good friends of ours. This is my friend Guy Snowden and his wife, Juanita McGowan. Hello. Now, why don't we start off with a little bit of you guys? Let's hear what you do, Guy. I'm a singer-songwriter and a session vocalist by trade. Um... That's pretty much it. I'm in a band called Geisner and the Citizens, and uh, we had the honor of playing with you. Was it last year or the year before? Was it last year? Last year. I can't tell what's happened in the last few years. You yeah, you two were totally crazy. You decided to do like this full blown gig. um, It was a great night. Rialto, yeah. And it worked out really well. People were hungry for some live music. Yeah, I put that together. Really, because like I was tired of playing in a basement, <laughs> and <laughs> and but I I knew I couldn't fill out an entire night, so that's when I reached out, and that's when you reached back out to me, and you were like, "Hey, I'll do it," and I was like, "Dope, let's get this going," and yeah, <laughs> that's how we met. That's exactly my thoughts as well. Hey, yeah. dope man. Uh, no, I think you said rad. Yeah. Oh, did I say uh, rad? Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> You seem like you say rad a lot. Mm, yeah, I'm a rad kind of guy. Yeah, typical valley boy over here. Yeah. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> well, he's, he's been living in, uh, in America for six years. six years now, so he's he's trying to pick up the lingo. Otherwise, you know, the natives don't uh, understand him. You know, you go to Walmart a lot, don't you? So it's kind yeah, of yeah. It was part of when Jay fostered me. Um, I have to go to Walmart like three times a week, and now it's kind of like a second home. Yeah. He does go to Walmart. Chardonnay on customer service. She's like a second mother to me. It's it's amazing you say that. I actually haven't been to Walmart in like three years. Oh, dude, you got to go. That's brilliant. I love it. It's brilliant. I love it. They have everything you don't need. Yeah, and some things you do. And some pretty interesting people. I almost got your ass kicked at Walmart last time. She almost got my ass kicked at Walmart once. Ooh, well, we... <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> well, you know, she does what she does, you know. She'll, does she? She'll come does up she? to me. <laughs> she does. She'll come up to me and she'll start talking smack about the person ahead of us. It was an old lady with two full carts and we had three items and she wouldn't let us go in front of her. So, yeah, I'm going to say something. So she said something and she's like, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> and like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Wait, she what, waited what outside she for me. What, what, was, what did she say? She said, I'm going as fast as I can. Was she from England? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, she she was just upset because you know that mm-hmm. I don't want to say any names, but yeah, she was calling her out on her shit. Well, I, I I had I had a thing earlier. I took our daughter to Giant Eagle because I um, came home and she said, "Daddy, I've got no popsicles." So I said, "Okay, we'll, we'll nip up the road." And our closest grocery store is Giant Eagle, and we're in the queue. And uh, sorry, in the line, this, in the line, you're in the line. Fancy you're in the line. <laughs> Oxford <laughs> English Dictionary. No. <laughs> and uh, this lady had basically filled up her cart of all these foods Charlie. and she was trying to get to pay for it all by food stamps and a lot of the stuff that she got in the cart was declined. And it was like we got dishwasher tablets and two sets of uh, popsicles and deodorant and she was just saying no. Take that out. I can't. If I can't get it, I don't want it. And then it came to the chocolate milk. And she went, oh, girl, you better put that chocolate milk back. And I just turned to my yeah. daughter. And what was I, that again? How was that again? <laughs> she went, oh, dear, I can't afford chocolate milk. Um, and I turned to my daughter and I just went, grab it. We're going to the next checkout. Oh, but anyway, you oh, were telling man. us you were going to get your head kicked in by your wife. No. By Not by my wife, by that lady ahead of us. Oh, by the sorry. Is that the story for later? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that she actually waited outside the doors for us. <sighs> she went out to the to the side door and she just sat there and she watched us. And we're like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Is she going to kick my ass? And Liz is like, I think she is. <laughs> like, she was just looking at it. She was mean mugging like this. And, 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 like, we paid for our stuff. Yeah. So, so of course, you know, me, I had to go the other door. Mm-hmm. We just went uh, out the other door to safety, and <laughs> we made it through. Avoiding conflict. Uh, I avoided conflict. And here you are today, telling yes. the tale. Telling here. The tale. She might, telling the tale. She might watch this and say... Hang on, that was me. That's the guy. I know where they are now. That son of a bitch. Yeah. I've been enjoying his podcast episodes all this time. <laughs> and now it's him. I'm going to give them a negative review on Yelp. Exactly. <laughs> Next time I see him, I'm going to throw a cinnamon roll at him. <laughs> so, uh, so um, the Rialto show from last year, was that the first gig that you had as a band? Um, I was a little confused on that. No. So the thing with the band, the thing with the band was, um, about four, no, yeah, probably four months before the pandemic hit, we'd started and we obviously didn't know what was ahead. Um, and as soon as the pandemic hit, so we'd done, I think we'd done four Three, gigs. Four yeah. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Nothing happened for those first few months. Um, and then in July, the Music Box contacted us and said, hey, would you be interested in coming down and doing the 4th of July? And it was kind of when we came out of lock, full lockdown um, which is interesting because I, I still think of lockdown as happening for like over a year because back in England with my communication back home, they were in lockdown for well over a year. 
Um, and so I think we just come out of lockdown. We did the reschedule because we were supposed to play the music box on something like March the 15th. Mm. And it was a week after we went into lockdown or something like that. So then we, Colleen was amazing. She asked us if we would be willing to reschedule when we knew a bit more about what was going on. Came out of lockdown and she said, would you like to play July the 4th? So we said, hey, yeah, why not? And um, I think after that, we'd been offered a few festival gigs, which were going to be fantastic. But then did we go back into lockdown? Did we come out and then go back in? I don't know. It's all different to me. It wasn't necessarily that we went back into lockdown. It's just people started getting nervous, so things were shutting down again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and people would get sick, like bands would get sick, or yeah. one band member would get sick, and then, you know, the whole the whole music industry was just, you know, in the state of flux because nobody knew what anything, you know, what would happen. So yeah, we had a they had a couple of festivals lined up, but um, you know they got canceled, or you know the bands, you know yeah. they were on the support slot for a band that got sick, and you know it just it was very um, volatile for the music industry, you know for sure, and we really felt that you know in our family because you know normally he was out gigging whether it was with a band or you know, doing his own solo singer songwriter stuff almost every weekend you know, or, you know, two, three times a week. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's a good source of income. I mean, it doesn't like, it doesn't make a huge amount of money, but it certainly helps. The Lamborghini's yeah. taken longer to pay off. <laughs> we right, had to get yeah. back the Lamborghini. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, and it can be really, really stressful. I think, you know, um, oh, absolutely. To have like suddenly, you, you know, it's not a huge amount of money, but it's money that you need and then it's just gone. And it's a regular um, income. You so know? Right. you started singing, you, you sang on, you dem- like some guy approached you because he had a demo and you sang that for him. I mean, he would, like, if it had anything to do with singing, he would do yeah. it. I mean, he started singing on cheerleading, <laughs> royalty free tracks. And I mean, just anything that had, any tenuous link to music or it was it was an interesting thing because I, I learned and actually I learned it before the pandemic. I was approached by um, a company called American Greetings who make greetings cards. Yeah, um, and uh, they asked me if they asked me if I would do some stuff, and I am officially in Target um, on a card called Space Cat. It's amazing, um, nice. but it it kind of. I had one meeting and the gentleman who I sat down with, I asked him what he used to do. And he said he used to work on the production team of My Little Pony. And I remember when he said it, I laughed. And then I suddenly stopped laughing and I went, well, somebody's got to do it. Mm. And if you can get paid for working for My Little Pony, why not? Mm. So then when the pandemic hit, and I started kind of reaching out to a lot of places. It was kind of like, especially with the cheerleading thing, but we, Jay said, oh, you know, before you accept, we should sit down and just, I'll, I'll show you what cheerleading's all about kind of thing. And he had no idea. Like, we they don't, don't, they don't we really don't have really cheerleaders do cheerleading in, England. in England. Um, 
And so we, he was like, competitive cheerleading? What is that? And I was like, let's watch some YouTube videos. After about 15 minutes of watching competitive cheerleading, it got weird. You felt a little bit It was. It curvy. was weird. It was, yeah. I, I just went, can we turn this off now? I get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a bit, you know... But hey, it, you know it's it's amazing because, like the American greetings thing, I was always told I'll get probably four or five projects a year, and my method is as soon as you get offered work, you do it. And I it's, last year with the uh, cheerleading, I think I did over fifty. Mm. You know, just because. It's work. People got to cheer yeah. <laughs> and lead. And they don't want to pay for commercial music, so they buy royalty-free stuff. <laughs> right. And so. that's actually pretty that, – that's pretty noble, and that's something that a lot of, like, local musicians need to understand is if you are offered work, you should probably take it. We don't make a lot of money. It's modest at first, and if you're any good, it gets better. But – it's a, it's like any job, and I think this is what the, the, the problem is with a lot of people, and I, I seem to have said this over the last few weeks. <laughs> These opportunities that come, we we work in an industry as a musician that people go to bed dreaming about wanting to be in. It's a, I, I, I think it's a dreamy industry because people would literally kill to walk on a stage and get paid. You know, because right. there's a lot of people that can't do it. We're the lucky ones who can. And we're the lucky ones yeah. who can walk on stage, impress, have an amazing time. You know, who gets, who else do you know legally that could walk on stage, have a pint, entertain hundreds or thousands or, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and, you know, walk off stage and just carry on partying. You know, it's... It's, it's not that glamorous, though, it always, It's definitely not. But who gets paid to, you know, do that kind Me. of... Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's 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 a dreamy industry. But I think a lot of people think that they can jump straight to it, and you can't. Mm. You have no, to work time. to the And going back to the COVID thing and, and getting to the Rialto gig is, that was... We'd, we'd done four gigs by the time I think we'd, we'd met you. And yeah. we've only just hit 11. I think uh, this Friday will be our 12th because we couldn't do anything through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And right. you've got to realize the only reason why this band started was because our manager, David Spiro, turned around and he just said, you need to form a band and, and get this out there. And when yeah. your manager, who, who I'm very proud to call my manager, is the manager of Bad Company, you know, he, he's basically the reason why the world got Joe Walsh, you know, and and just I couldn't you buy his book. It's all in there. Um, <laughs> and, a lot of plugging for other people. I know. But, um, but when, when somebody of that stature tells you to just get your music out there, you listen and you do it, but you've still got to start from the bottom. Mm -hmm. right. And, you know, Every th day. this band will be together for three years, what, this November? And we're only just about to hit our 12th hit our year, you know, and we're going on tour later this year. And, you know, <laughs> the only way is up. 
Oh, do you want me to finish? Oh, was that it? <laughs> oh, I, was, um, I was waiting for more. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you don't, you don't suddenly start at a company as a managing director. You know, you start right. at a lower level and work yourself up. Mm. And uh, But every gig is we like try to make a big deal out of it because it is a big deal, you know? And um, yeah, the Rialto was really cool because we took advantage of that. It was a unique opportunity. It was a unique event that not, that wasn't happening anywhere else. And we got it plugged on Fox eight. You know, we just, we, we did a huge press release on it and we, um, we can say that, you know, I get the Rialto was yeah. plugged on Fox 8 as a sold-out show because it was. It was a sold-out show. You know, we filled it to capacity from what we were available to at the time. Yep. And exactly. we can't, you know, you can't get cooler than that. It's a win. And it was it was a super cool um, show, and it was exclusive to us, too, because for us, it was like we were just doing a whole bunch of covers from the 1950s. Now, that's something mm-hmm. we don't normally do. Love the Gretsch. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's still my favorite guitar, and I still play the hell out of it. Uh, yeah. But it still goes out of tune right where the G is. will <laughs> do that. Yep. It, it was uh, on our live album throughout the entire album, and it's just – I don't think that thing's ever going away. It's a beautiful guitar. Well, it shouldn't, yeah. and I got it for you for Christmas. Oh, well. I was going to say <laughs> She got it for she me for it. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But I also has, I have an SG that I never play ever because I love my Gretsch so much. Mm. <laughs> Even to you by your wife with love. That's right. Yeah. Um, so um, we've heard a little bit about your past. Let's talk about your future. Where do you aim to go with this? To the top? Into old age? I think. Go on. You were say well, no, I mean, you know, he's always said to me while well, he was talking about how glamorous rock and roll might seem, um, you know, when we were first together, we lived that rock and roll lifestyle. And we know that it's not super glamorous when she starts scratching the surface. And um, you pretty much said to me, look, I just want to be able to contribute to the family. And I, you know, I think most men have this. Me, man, me, gather. Yeah, exactly. You know, most men probably feel um, a little bit of societal pressure to like prepare for, you know, give to the family and um, bring home the the bread, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But um, we don't really work like that, but I think it's still important for him to feel like he's contributing to our welfare and everything like that. Um, not just in what he does every day, but also, you know, bringing home some bank. So he just said, look, I just want to be able to make a living out of doing this. And I think he's shown that every day to me because like, if it's going and doing a gig, which is not going to be necessarily glamorous or singing cheerleading songs, you know, he's still, he's still contributing to the family. Still working. And at the end of the day, If I can earn money that puts food on the table by just singing, I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, there is still the incredibly selfish view every now and then where I think, hey, you know, I might make it kind of thing. But there's no point in trying to reach reach for the sky because Mm. it's a very difficult place to get to and only a very select amount of people get there. 
you know, mm-hmm. hey, if I can improve my band by working with people like David and, and working with the members of my band and, you know, networking and just carrying on doing what I'm doing. Hey, if I just boost my income by just carrying on doing what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, even better, you know. You never know what's around the corner, you know. Some Somebody could just walk up to me and say, hey, I like your sound, that's it. Or somebody could just turn around to me and say, hey, guy, why don't you come and work with us at the studios? You know, yeah. if it's if it's an improvement on what I'm doing right now, I'll take it. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's still something that I enjoy doing. Um, you know. Well, I was I was telling you the other day I saw a TikTok um, of a guy interviewing the man who started the Vans Warped Tour, mm. and they he the interviewer asked him I don't remember his name, but um, the interviewer asked him. Are bands today making the same mistake that bands made back, you know, in the early 90s, whatever? And he said, absolutely. And he said, well, what is that mistake? And he said, they overthink it. They don't take the opportunities, you know. And he used um, Dave Grohl as an example of a guy who clearly takes opportunities. I mean, want to go buy that studio? You want to go work with all these different people and collaborate and make an album. Do you want to go play with some random little girl who plays drums from YouTube? I mean, like he literally takes every opportunity. He says, he never says no. And he's like this sort of demigod of, you know, music, not just rock music, but like, I think like all music. And so when you, when you, when you say, is the idea still trying to make it? No, it's, there's no such thing as making it. Because you're always going to want to improve. And actually, Billy, my keyboard player, he uh, spoke to one of his friends a few weeks ago. And it was interesting because this guy is a a hugely successful touring musician. And Billy said, you know, what was the the best and worst part of your career? And he said, the worst part of my career was getting to where I am now because he enjoyed the chase. He enjoyed find like, hey, look, I've just got this little thing. I've just got this little thing. And now he's playing, you know, to thousands and thousands of people. And he's like, well, I'm here now. You know, it's, is that it? It's it's all lost. It's lost. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it's, it's not making it. It's just what's going to improve my life and my daughter and my wife's life. And the full cat. I could see that. Like, I mean, I enjoy seeking out shows to play. I enjoy, you know, uh, just the little things. Like, I mean, we're trying to get on Porch Rocker right now. They're looking for more places to, you know. Um, We've actually kind of taken a step back from music for a little bit because, you know, our lead guitar player lives in Lorraine. And it's just kind of hard for all of us to, you know, coordinate at the same time. But we still get together and we still play. That's why nobody's really heard anything from the page mm-hmm. in a while and stuff like that. Cause we've just kind of been working on ourselves as far as like music is concerned, but we're still together and we're still playing and it's really fun to just reach out and like try to get these little places to take us on and stuff like that. But I can imagine if, you know, we were at a place where we're coveted and people were as it would just get monotonous and boring, It's a job, you know? Yeah, well, and it it's, hard, it's hard work. It's hard work nowadays. I think, you know, the music industry is clearly evolving. And I know from, 
you know, supporting him and the band, you know, behind the scenes with promotions and um, management and booking and publicity. Um, you know, booking this tour has been hard work because a lot of the venues are really struggling and they'll give you a chance, but you got to find the support acts and you got to sort out the promo and, you know, you got to take a door deal and um, they'll give you pizza and soda, but that's about it. And Aww. you can sell merch and they won't take a cut of your merch. That's nice of you. Okay, great. I'm yet to do a door deal where I'll actually walk away with the door. <laughs> <laughs> you like door number two, door number three. Um, I've got a boat. To be fair, I can't. I can't paint every venue that we've been in touch with. Um, you know, in in sorting out this tour for him, that's been like that. Um, but it has been the majority, and um, that just tells me that they're they're really hurting. And but then at the same time, I don't know if that's like because they're so laid back about all this and they're not really think- involved that maybe that's why nobody's coming there are, out and watching bands and the you thing know. the thing with venues at the minute is it's especially with the because when we when we're going out on tour it's a very eclectic mix of the smaller to kind of medium size band of our size kind of venue you know mm-hmm. and they're all independent and mm-hmm. in the, from what I've learned over the last few months you know independent venues really don't get a lot of support and there's there's wonderful things out there um there's a a company called neva that work with independent venues to really kind of just give them encouragement and 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 really big help to kind of boost their venues and when you get bands like us who need them you know who need these venues to 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 grow a big ecosystem yeah all like a big ecosystem. Like a terrarium. A terrarium. <laughs> terrarium of bands and <laughs> venues. Um, but it's... it's um, I don't think they get our humor. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, you can Google terrarium later. What the hell is a terrarium? No, I'm kidding. I know exactly what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I'm just listening. He's going to get off this and go, what's a terrarium? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. I'm not going to air this episode. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's it's the small people have to build the big people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what size the venue or how, you know, or how big or small the artist is, you know. It's one of the biggest acts in England right now is a band called Idols. They played at the Beastland Ballroom in the Tavern. That same year, they played one of the main stages at Glastonbury. Because they played the Beachland Ballroom, they wrote a song called Beachland Ballroom. And now they're coming back to America. So Glastonbury, I've realized there's not a lot of Americans know what Glastonbury is. Do you guys know what Glastonbury is? Haven't even heard of it. It's kind of like South by Southwest. But oh, okay. in England, and it's huge. It's it's on this one guy's farm, which is a dairy it's like farm. Woods, it's like the Woodstock. There you go. Okay. And it happens every year. Every, no, every every four years, he gives it a break so that the pastures can regrow to feed the cows. Um, but it's it's like a huge. It's like a, a mini city evolves over the space of a week, and uh, yeah, it's it's just Dolly Parton played there most recently. Ooh. McCartney just uh, McCartney. did the Saturday evening, um, and he brought out Dave Grohl and Bruce Springsteen, and uh, you know it's it's a huge event. But I've forgotten where I was going with this now. Just that 
everybody needs the small. Yeah, we we need the small things to be able to to either get bigger or you know just improve. Take those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Like when some random dude says, "Hey, you want to come play with my band in Rialto?" Do it. Some Do random it. guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I took a sandwich off a bloke earlier. He offered it to me. I That's think right. he offered it to me. He said, well, do you like my sandwich? And I said, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> right in the slap middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> took a bite right out of that sandwich. Or that immune yeah. system, man. Actually, that was, that was an interesting one. So during uh, late last year, I've been recently singing with a uh, Led Zeppelin tribute act. And... Uh, the, the, the lead guitarist who pretty much organizes all of the band, he said, oh, will you come and uh, – I'd, I'd done a couple of rehearsals with them, I think. He said, will you come and do a gig at the Winchester? And it was two days before we flew to England. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the time we still had to be tested. Mm-hmm. And um, – And plus you don't want to be sick. Over yeah, there. exactly. Right. And I pulled out. Because um, I was only going to do two or three songs, and I pulled out because I double booked, and also I didn't fancy doing the gig because I hadn't seen my family for over two years because of the pandemic. And uh, the entire band from that gig got COVID. Yikes! And they tested positive the day we were flying out, and I remember getting the text, and I just thought that because I we went to. Um, CVS uh, to get our tests and we never got them in time. Right. And I ended up, Jay got hers the morning that we flew. Sadie didn't need hers, but I didn't get mine. I got mine like two days before we were leaving England. Um, and uh, sorry, there's a cat attacking my foot. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I, I had to test in the airport and I just remember getting the call and it was like, yeah, we've all got COVID. And I was just like... Dodged the bullet there. Yeah, really for real. I didn't. You dodged that bullet Matrix style. Ooh, <laughs> big time. Really big time. It was like... It was, a, it, it was a sign from God that we had to go to England. <laughs> and, oh, my God. I've never eaten so much pork sausage in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that is not. That's yeah. Take that as you take that as you want. He means literally uh, pork sausage. I felt I felt very ill when I got home. Americans don't make very good sausage, apparently. I wouldn't know. I'm a vegetarian, but so I hear. <laughs> Can't be an English sausage. I, I, I have. I have questions about that. We'll get we'll get into that okay. a little. Well, bit. They're, they're bigger and longer, mate. All right. <laughs> get warm in here. <laughs> so I, I do have a question. You guys met at a, sh- a show of his in England, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. we sure did. We say that Jay was actually a spy, and I worked in a bakery. No, no, no. no we we met, and I I mean, and we I say met. At the gig, um, we didn't really meet, did we, that first time? So, because I thought you were an arrogant, you know what? It was funny. So, <laughs> we, um, my first ever band, we were like every kind of first bands, you know, we were early 20s and um, didn't really draw a crowd. 
and that and, and that um that's was it summer or winter? I think it was I winter, no wasn't idea. it? That winter we got picked up by Birmingham University and they were doing a management course and one of the subject one of the kind of things they had to do was they had to manage a band. So one of the students, Laura, she picked us up and she said, Hey, you know, I've got to do this. Would you guys be cool if I like organized and booked you a gig? So I was like, Great, yeah, that's fine. And meanwhile, I was writing for various blogs in the Birmingham. I forget Vizzy and Sony. West, West Midlands and Northamptonshire areas exactly of, um, of England at the time. Because, um, I, you know, like back in the day, I did that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's always been an itch that I like to scratch every once in a while. So I kind of got back into like freelance music journalism and stuff like that. So I was writing for a few blogs. I would do reviews of bands. I would review albums. Um, I would curate before there was Spotify playlists, you know, we would curate MySpace <laughs> playlists. God, I'm aging myself so bad. Um, <laughs> I booked my first um, tour on MySpace, so I totally there get you it. Go. <laughs> well, before yeah. that, she used to do um, sp- uh, playlists on Morse code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we did, like, I, I come from the era where we used to literally record, you know, like, songs off the radio, like, on our boom boxes, you know, and um, hope that the DJ wouldn't, you know, interrupt Die the, the the ending or the intro to the song. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I got contacted then by um, a, somebody in your band, your guitarist, and he said, "Oh, you know, would you?" Well, no, you guys sent like a CD or something. We were doing was it with Della. I don't know. Anyway, I got the CD, and I literally it was like in a plastic little envelope with a piece of paper, like out of like a note, like a spiral bound notebook, like from school written with like ballpoint pen, you know, the, and, you know, I was sent this in the post and it was, you know, would I review this album? Can you bleep out the name? They're probably still going. (laughs) (laughs) And um, if you would prefer I could, I will. (laughs) So, yeah, so I mean, that's all I had to go on. It was, you know, just this, this CD. And so I listened to the CD and I was really impressed. I mean, they were clearly ripping off like the Who and the Beatles and Oasis and things like that. But I liked it because I like that kind of music. And the lead singer had this fantastic voice. It was just really, um, very jarring, just like how powerful his voice was. And there was a couple of songs on the track that would quite stand out, which I found out later were your songs. Um, but, uh, and then, so I gave them a I didn't review. rip anything off. It's interesting because years later, I've heard so many songs and I'm like, bloody hell, they got from that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, I gave them a, you know, a good review. I, I did at least acknowledge their blatant, you know, homages to some of the classics. But um and so then your guitarist reached out to me on MySpace <laughs> and was like, why don't you come to this gig we're doing in Birmingham? And so I was like, yeah, sure. You know, so I showed up and I wasn't on the guest list. I had to pay, which I was totally mortified I never saw that about that. I was like, excuse me, you invite me to this gig and then you don't even like put me on the guest list. So that was the first thing. And then... Second thing was 
you know, I met the band and they were a little I'm bit, an all they were a bit that. aloof. Anyway, then comes in this little scrawny little ginger with bell bottoms and a, a shirt that was like buttoned down a little bit, you know, and, and two blonde pieces like hanging, you know, on his arm kind of thing. It's the only, only time in my life this has ever happened. <laughs> I literally, because the, this was Laura and her friends. Yeah. And I walk in with them because I was the one who was organizing the college thing, uh, the university thing, because I lived in Birmingham at the time and she was at Birmingham University. So, yeah. He was, he was their college project or something. Anyway, he walks in. I have one people. important question, that, but I don't oh, mean to Mark. interrupt you, but I have one important question to, to, to ask about this. Is there photographical evidence? I don't Ooh. think so. I got to see that. Like I, I can hook you up with some of his older photos, like, when they he had like this flock of seagulls haircut where it was like long on one side and like shaped. I actually no, I think I can do one better. I think there are two songs on YouTube from yeah. that gig. Yeah. Anyway, so he walks in with these two blonde pieces and I'm like, who is this guy? Like literally you think he is. And he totally ignores me. Like totally like blanks me. I had Nothing. no idea who she was. And I'm thinking, what the heck? You've invited me to this gig. You're not even going to talk to me. I don't even know, like, what's going on. Anyway, so we watch the gig. We watch support acts. I take notes. Um, I go up to the band at the end of the stage, and I thank them, you know, for inviting me. Again, he totally blanks me. So I'm thinking, okay, whatever. This guy's just rude. Not the first rude front man I've ever met in my life. And I go away. I, I write the review, you know jobs a good and um but then like friends of ours mutual friends of ours then sort of contacted me and they said something like oh you know do you know the the singer and the you know guys he fancies you or something and i i misunderstood like who he was i was like oh which one you know i didn't know you know and anyway we met up then at a gig later and yeah the rest is as they say history um yeah, I've but never, then never been able to get rid of the change. So, <laughs> so I always say that I fell in love with him when I thought, you know, because I fell in love with his voice, like that first CD that I listened to. I was just like, this is amazing. So, but I thought he was like clearly some like mid forties, smokes three packs a day, um, you know, kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of guy. And so imagine my like dismay when I rock up at the venue and here comes this like scrawny little ginger kid with two blonde pieces on his arm. It's like, what the heck am I doing? You know, it was, um, it was a little bit crazy, but you tell a slightly different story and I just don't get it. He says he waved at me. No, when she, I went out for a cigarette. Jay went out I, for a cigarette. She was wearing a bandana, her leather jacket, and she got a misfits fingerless gloves on. And I, I waved that. at her, surrounded by women, you know. They weren't I, wearing um, much clothes. Um, I'm not surprised, I'm probably mentally women. scarred by looking at me being, you know, oh, bathing. And, I don't uh, remember him waving at me. I think that's a lot. And I waved, and you waved back. Yeah, I was probably like, you know, whatever, dickwad. It might have been <laughs> you or the homeless guy at the room. No, that, what I was wearing, I remember that. That yeah. was kind of like it's my exactly, thing at the time. It's exactly yeah. what you wore. Yeah. 
Anywho. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Who was the guy who was the guy that you used to work with that had the long hair? He was at that gig too. He used to smell like brute. Oh, uh, Wingy. Wingy. Yeah. He was at the gig. So, maybe I was waving at Wingy. You know, yeah, know. This, Hi, Wingy. <laughs> this guy I used to work with, he's now a uh, Jason Momoa lookalike. <laughs> he looks just like him. Yeah, really. He's, really, he's kind of strange because one time I used to go, I went to the shop one time and he like gave me a hug. I think he was like going in to kiss me, but like I was like, ooh. Yeah. And he smelled like. He smelled like your dad in the cologne. 1940s. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. I I forgot about Brood. I didn't even think it still existed. Like oh, I, no, I, does. I, definitely I, does. I think it's making a comeback as, as well as like Old Spice. They kind of rebranded. Now Old Spice, I can get get along with that. Actually, that that has a pleasing scent. But I never what got do you into Brood. Liz, what do you think? Does Old Spice have a pleasing scent? It gives me a headache. Yeah. Hang on, you pointed just straight to Dave then. <laughs> Were you talking about I, Dave or the smell? Both. Both. All, all of the above. <laughs> so uh, you as a musician and you as a co-manager, you both work together, uh, you live together, you play together. We don't work together. I just get told what to do. <laughs> For the most part, he listens, so that's good. Yeah. And, you know, I see you guys on the book all the time. You know, you guys garden. You have all these, like, extra activities and stuff like that. Uh, with the music and your marriage, is there any, like, times that it's an issue? Like, that there's any mm. problems? We fall out a lot. Because. Straight. Well, I mean, you know. Got to tell the truth, right? I mean, there's no sense in yeah, sugarcoating. I think call out because our personas, as you say, it can be very mixed. And so sometimes, you know, the manager in me, like, you know, turns up and I'm like, no, you can't wear that shirt to the gig. And he's like, oh, you know. And I'm like, honey, yeah, when, you know, when, when Jay, like, when Jay says we fall out, it's it's kind of, I wouldn't even say it's bickering. It's kind of like we just disagree, but it's it's not even like we, I think in our, in I our get annoyed. He'll like, oh, I've got a gig on. Like right now she's talking over me and, you know, she won't stop. No. Um, but I. <laughs> well, no, but, seriously, like, you Oh, Thanks, gig. Dave. I've got a gig on Thursday. I'm like, what? You didn't tell me you had a gig on Thursday. What, what are you doing? What are you, you know? Um, yeah, it's, you know, there are some things where I don't act like a wife or a partner. I act like I call a it manager. work, Jay. He calls me work. He says, is work, Jay. I don't like work, Jay. Mm. Um, and but I, I, we, if, if we talk about fighting, I think I could probably count on one hand less than five fingers whether we've had a like a shouting and screaming at each other kind of argument it very rarely happens you know we, we he like you avoids conflict the amount of times i've been to alaska and back it's beautiful <laughs> there um but no in, in all seriousness you know i we we very rarely scream and shout at each other we do bicker we do we do kind of I would call it just the occasional tiff, 
you know, it's just like, oh, come you on. You don't listen to me. Yeah. Why did you say that thing that made me feel bad, you know? But he's my best mate. And if you don't, if you don't fall out, it's not, it's not real. You know? And I, we always, we can't exist without each other, really. Um, we're partners. Like, I can't do what I do without him. And he can't do what he does without me. No, he can't. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> she could, she uh, could that, see everything on the screen. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting right beside you. Okay. Um, yeah. That, and that's, a you know, I, I think um, I learned, you know, because I was married before and I learned very quickly that um, this romantic, you know, passion of a, you know, ideal of a marriage, it, in the real world, it, that can't exist all the time. And you don't want it to really, um, because so I don't every now sh- and then we yeah, go off sh- to separate motels. I don't want to <laughs> shave my legs every day. I mean, come on, frankly, you know, and sometimes I don't want to put on makeup and be beautiful. And let me shave my legs every bloody day. <laughs> But, um, you know, we we work together as a team. We're partners um, in, in all things. and It's literally a working relationship because you've got to work at your relationship and work on your relationship while you're working. And if, and if we work together like we do, you know, Jay has this incredible business attitude and she, she works <laughs> like alongside with probably one of the greatest rock managers of all time. And it's, you know, and then she kind of worked with me and the lads. And not only does she do that, but she also, you know, she does what she likes to do in terms of with her career. You know, because it's not just music. Jay has a separate, completely separate career, which she just completely excels at. And that's, that's pretty much what got us to the States, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we we came was because I can do my singing anywhere because there's a wonderful thing. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called the internet. And, you know, yeah. Um, I think Morse code will be coming back, but, um, but no, start our campaign right now. Bring back Morse code. Jay, um, hashtag, hashtag beep, 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 dash, dash, dash. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, with with how Jay has just completely excelled in her career, you know, I, I couldn't be prouder. And this is not just a woman that manages a band and works her own job. She's also doing a university course and also supporting me personally and our daughter personally and the four cats. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's... running here. You, it's a consistent thing we work on and you know well he's, he's had like some work um here in the last few days um, yeah so can you I, tell I my, my forehead's less wrinkly uh no he's had some work on some contract work on and so he's been out all day and i've had to work from home do breakfast you know take the kid to their swim lessons make, make lunch make dinner clean the house you know and he came home today and I was like, I just about survived without you. Like, just about. Like, because <laughs> I can't do it all, you know. I can't do it all without him. I just can't, you know, I just can't. I can't well, I mean, you guys are, 
Yeah, not only are you partners, but you are also parents and you are also, you know, you have your careers and, you know, I applaud you for putting on your cape every day and just doing everything that you do. It's it's really hard. You, work, have, to. you know, you yeah. really have to, because if you don't, what's the point in getting up? Right. You know? yeah. And, and even if we didn't, even if we didn't have our incredible little girl, we'd probably be doing exactly the same. Yeah. Less stressed, but exactly the same. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. You know, when, when we had our daughter, we've had our challenges, you know. And the thing is, even with her, you know, our daughter was a late developer in speech. We looked into it, and every day for two years, I was taking her to speech therapy, and she still goes to speech therapy to this day. You know, she started swimming lessons, but you just got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about it goes back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, somebody said to me that, like in America, you know, that American ideal of the American dream, you know, you got to work for it. I think they didn't is, come to America to to not pan for gold and just expect it. Yeah, I mean, some people have asked me, they're like, oh, you know, because when people find out, you know, that we're like this international family and I lived in England for 15 years and all this other stuff and it sounds so exotic and and glamorous. Um, but, oh, you know, we, we came we came here, you know, to be able to provide for our daughter and to have opportunities, you know, that we couldn't have in Europe. And despite all of the crap that's on the news and in our daily lives and even what we're going through, you know, now with like the economy and everything, like we still will often, as you say, when we're gardening, like we'll still like sit in our little, in our little fenced in little world of our house. And we just look at each other and we're like, we totally made the right decision. Like this was, this was what we wanted to achieve. And we can sit back and watch our daughter run around in the yard. And, and that's what, you know, that's what we live for is just those moments of, just bliss, really simple, simple bliss. Come, it comes to this. This just happened at band practice earlier. Billy, my keyboard player, asked Tyler, my guitarist, "What are you doing after rehearsal?" And Tyler said, "I'm going home." And Tyler's just bought his first house, mm. and I said, "That's a cool thing." I said, "You're you're going home," you know, mm. and he said. Yeah, you're right. If you can't sit back and look at what you've got around you and just think, do you know what? This is mine. Mm. You know, even even if it's a Gretsch guitar, even if it's, you know. That was gifted to you by your lovely and beautiful. A Golden Girls tiki mug for sale on Amazon (laughs) um, on Jay's shop. (laughs) You know, if you can't sit back and appreciate what you've got, Every so often, I'm not saying just sit there and gloat. I'm just saying every now and then just take a look and just go, yeah, that's not too bad. Mm. That's not too bad. Yeah, we're not waking up in the now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know, Guy. I think you moved to America so you can gain that bit of arrogance that we have. Oh no, the British! The British! Yeah, what are you talking about? We're the pretty British cocky. Are pretty cocky. Oh my goodness. I mean, I, I know him to be cockney, but cocky? <laughs> oh, you don't know how many times when I lived there, um, people would often point out, you know, of the the whole 
British and American thing, the colonial thing, um, the language we speak, you know, is, is, is English, you know, no. Yeah. And, um, you know, but that's, that's fine. You know, it's, yeah, we it's speak great, American over culture. here. We speak American. <laughs> Exactly. So did you exactly? So did you have a lot of culture shock when you moved over here, guy? Oh, when you've been here before, yeah. or even I did. Even, yeah, I was going to say even Jay did. I think the first thing I noticed was because of my accent and because of our daughter's age. If I was into sixty plus women in age, I'd have literally been swimming. It was, yeah, it was and you would fantastic. like you would like call me at work and he'd be like, I you know, oh I can't, I couldn't boys. leave Heinen's without women would like fawn over him yeah. and his little daughter, you know. Um the amount of times I've been a single parent looking after a little girl, you know. Oh yeah, the mother died. Um, <laughs> but uh Where's her mother? Oh she died. Oh no I, I think in terms of the culture Jay pretty much acclimatized me to it. And we'd done a few trips to America before we moved. Mm. We got married in America. Uh, it was the most American wedding you could ever imagine. Fourth of July in Washington, D.C. at the Thomas Jefferson Memorial, followed by fireworks on the Potomac outside the Cap. Uh, Hard roast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All American. And uh, I think the only thing that took its time and I actually struggled. We went back to England uh, in the summer this year, um, and I couldn't transfer my brain to say pound instead of dollar. I was still very Americanized. Mm. You know, it's things like you guys say cart, we call it a trolley. You guys say elevator, we call it a lift. We have lorries, you have trucks, you know. Looking the wrong way when you're crossing the street. I have a wife. I want a divorce. Um <laughs> You know, it's 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 things like that. These will be the this will be the thing that uh, like Johnny Depp. They'll, they'll go back <laughs> and they'll play this moment, and they'll go, "This, this is how we know guy was in trouble." This is when he talked to us. This this is how we knew. Guy you know, semaphore. <laughs> Here's but, something for that news article: Guy Snowden shit in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> it was the four cats. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think acclimatizing to America. The and I think the only thing I struggled with, which actually is ironic now because I hardly taste it, is how sweet everything is. Mm. Like horrendously sweet, um, and uh, especially during COVID, even though we were a few years in. You know, to, to living here, when you put your COVID weight on, it was, you know, you you realize 90% of the stuff that you're eating is, even if it's just a plain piece of bread, mm. what the hell do they put sugar in it? Yeah, we, we missed, we, we, we struggle with the food. Um, you know, even though England is not stereotypically known for its cuisine, uh, being so close to Europe, um, you know, you have all of these vegetables and fruits that are very fresh and, um, cheeses and breads and wines. And, you know, you've got that European, um, influence in the culture and in the food. And also, you know, we would travel to Europe and, you know, and 
And so then we came here and we're like, we just want a decent block of cheddar cheese. You know, like we really, really struggled with the food. (laughs) I mean, we're getting a little bit better now and maybe we're just, you know, I think acclimatizing or we found like, we found like this fantastic Italian deli, like down the road. Mm -hmm. And so we go there, you know, or Mm -hmm. we buy food online or, um, you know, things like that. Or we found like this awesome Indian. I mean, that's the other thing. Like it's not just um, European food, but because England is, um, you know, because of their diversity, their empire building, you know, back in Queen Victoria's age. I go with diversity. There's a lot of like West Indian influences, like Jamaican and things like that food, um, as well as Eastern Indian, so Indian, Pakistan, you know, things like that in the food. And so we moved here. We're like, couldn't find a decent curry. But actually now there's really a very growing Indian community here in the Cleveland area. So we like found this really awesome um, Indian grocer and we like walked in and we're like, Oh my God, they sell this and they sell this. And they sell this. And we started like, just like throwing it. I'm like, I'm, I, I just, we just went in to like check it out and we're like, Oh my gosh, they sell chapatis. And what's well, hysterical and, is as soon as they find out we lived in Birmingham back, back in England, yeah. it's like they suddenly realize why we're just all over it because actually a lot of curry dishes were invented in Birmingham, England. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a very English curry in Indian just basically means with sauce, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So, you know, I think food was, yeah, a big thing outside of language. I remember having to translate for you quite a lot. Oh, the best one was probably about, actually it must've been last year. We were having, um, a barbecue and I wanted to do, I think it was lamb sheet kebabs and, uh, It was, it must have been a holiday because uh, Heinen's was shut. And I went to Giant Eagle and I went up to the butcher's counter and I said, do you guys do minced lamb, as in ground lamb? And she said, sorry. And I said, do you, do you guys do minced lamb? And she genuinely said, we don't sell llama meat. Yeah, like, sir, we do not sell llama meat. (laughs) And there was a lady next to me. There was a lady next to me who literally lost it. She was just in hysterics. (laughs) He said lamb. And and it's happened a few times when I've asked for, like, a pound of ham, and they've just gone, what? What? And it's... it's, Sometimes we think they do it on purpose. I do think they do it on purpose. I don't, I, it's not just ignorance. It's like literally. Like if I do, be... like today, I met an Englishman who's visiting America. Every time I hear an English accent, I just walk past and I go, "Love your accent," mm. you know. But then people think he's Irish. They think he's Australian. Yeah. Australia is um, a big one. The best one I ever had was French. French. I think oh you're, yeah. You're calling an Englishman a French bloke. They said something like they were like. <laughs> We said something like, oh, we're going on vacation to England. They're like, oh, is that in France? <laughs> oh, no, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't France. It wasn't France. Or what, was, what language so, do I speak in England? There was there was a really good one. We get some interesting questions for sure. There was a really good one where um, I took the car into a Ford garage. Um, I won't mention the name. And... Um, and You're gonna have to do a lot of editing. The guy, so the guy basically said, uh, "So where are you from?" And I said, "England." And he went, "That's in Germany, isn't it?" And I went, "Yes, 
Yes. They won the war. They won the war. I was gonna. I was just gonna yeah. say, like, isn't isn't that the capital of Germany? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I, I literally. I, I was just so flabbergasted. To be, fair, to be fair, English people were just as ignorant with me. I mean, I remember was one time I went to a gig and um, uh, the guitarist was actually from San Francisco originally, and he, like me, you know, married. A, uh, an English woman and he was living in England and he was originally from San Francisco. And um, I knew he was American, but I didn't know who he was. And now we were all outside the, you know, the venue smoking, drinking, whatever. And somebody heard my accent and he was in the band and he was like, Oh, you're from America. And I said, yeah. And he said, our guitarist is from America. I was like, no way. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Where's he from? San Francisco, California. And I was like, wow, what's his name? Joe. No way. San Francisco, Joe. I thought he was dead. You know, and we made this whole thing. And then he, like, walks out. And the guy goes, dude, this girl, she's from America. And he was like totally with it too. And like, he like, I don't know, like telepathically we connected and he was, he just pretended to know me. He's like, Hey, Oh, IOJ, fantastic. You know? And, uh, and everybody was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they know each other. <laughs> like, no. it's I don't know. <laughs> And, She's the only one, you know. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and everybody would, you know, just like they do over here when they. Oh, yeah. When he's from England, they're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, how far away is that from London? Or I've been to London once or I went to Scotland once or I went to Ireland once. And and then people would, yeah, people would do the same with me. And they'd be like, oh, I had a wonderful vacation in Florida. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm so glad you had a vacation in Florida. That's amazing. Great in state. Florida. <laughs> um, I, um, I go ahead. Oh, I was oh, going to uh, say I have a I have an incredible talent. Um, anywhere well, in the uh, south, move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, anywhere in the south that I am, I can always pick out somebody from Ohio, and without looking at their license plate. Uh, that's actually how I met my best friend. Um, yeah, like he came in. Uh, what were you driving at the time, Liz? <laughs> My other best friend. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, I was uh, I was living down in South Carolina, and I don't know if you've ever been, but South Carolina has their own way of speaking. Um, it's very slow, very country, yeah, and very usually pretty hateful. Um, and I was work- I, I was working at this joint down there, and uh, I look this guy to go to South Carolina. This uh, this guy comes in and he's uh, he's talking to me and I'm like, you're from Ohio, aren't you? He said, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I just picked it up in the enunciation. It's an incredible talent I own. Oh. It's like we all know each other. It's like we all know each other. Like a party trick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, now, you did bring up food, and I have some questions. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. We, um, so, blood sausage. Oh. First yeah. things first, how the hell does that sound appetizing? Well, I'm actually, it's called there. black pudding. Yeah. They call it black pudding in England. Oh, black pudding. That, that pudding, sounds better. Pudding, that's another thing. So, <laughs> as a, you know, you talk about culture shock. So people will be like, oh, do you want some pudding? 
And of course, I'm growing up in the Midwest of America, you know, think instantly of like chocolate pudding or, you know, tapioca yeah, pudding. Yeah. And it's not the same, but yeah, no, they call blood sausage black pudding. And then they have white, white pudding as well. I think traditionally, yeah. So white pudding is oats, um, but uh, with when it's called pudding, traditionally that meant steamed, I think. Oh, okay. But now pudding is kind of just a slang for dessert. Mm. So when you when you think of a pudding, so we have sticky toffee pudding, Christmas pudding, and stuff like that. These are all things that are steamed, mm. um, like a nice. like a sponge cake that is steamed. But as I said, it's it's just now used as a dessert kind of thing. But yeah, um, black pudding. I'm not a really big fan. I I, I will eat it. I wouldn't have it as a, a massive slice. Like you can have it with like crumbled over certain things like a Scotch egg and stuff like that. And it is delicious. Uh, it's like haggis. I couldn't eat a full haggis, but as a, as special a, occasion, as a small t- sample or something like that. It, on it, Burns it, night. Yeah, know, it is. It is fantastic. You have eaten more haggis than I ever have because I, I've never tried and I am of uh, I had a vegetarian descent. haggis. I'm a vegetarian, by the way. So I've had vegetarian haggis. Doesn't count. Which. you got to have your ground in it. The thing is, like, there's a reason why I'm a vegetarian. Like, I don't want to eat meat. And that includes things that look like meat. And haggis is definitely, like, on the meat scale is one of the least appealing meat dishes. And so, but I did have, I did try it. Because, I mean. You know, you have like you have like traditions like Burns Night, you know, and that's uh, where they you know celebrate the poet and and they do the whole haggis, bring out the haggis. But this is Scotland. Yeah, that's Scotland. To be fair, sorry. See, <laughs> I'm being I'm I'm gonna play my ignorant American card and just you know, the whole island is is Brit- Britain, and so I can't. And, and Liz has been dying to ask Guy a question about food as well. Go on then. Go ahead. No, <laughs> she's shy. So, um, baked beans for breakfast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, oh, why? Yeah. Tell, I tell so, you, it's craziness. What annoys crazy? Right, no, Liz. <laughs> um, no, um, the thing is, our baked beans are very different to yours. They're still obviously like cannellini beans or whatever kind of beans they are. Um, like but, a tomato sauce. Yeah, they're in kind of like a. Not a rich, because you guys have very rich and very sweet kind of heavy beans as a kind of just in a, a light tomato sauce. And just over some buttered toast for breakfast is fantastic. It's one of my favorites. We do have to import our baked beans. What irritates, And what irritates me is the fact that Heinz is based in Pennsylvania, but they do not sell Heinz baked beans in America. They only sell them to, I think, uh, certain places. I think actually probably where, because I know they ship to like India and mm-hmm. uh, Northern Africa where the empire was. So I, I know it's a very kind of colonial thing of England. Um, but, yeah, Heinz, Heinz baked beans for breakfast is next time Next time we get some in, we'll have you guys yeah. over. We'll have you and over we'll, for uh, English we'll have some. We're down. We'll have some beans on toast. We're I'm not going until you check. tried it. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Liz. When I, you know, very shortly after. Oh, I really fancy there, them now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very, very soon after living there, 
you know, I was encountered with the opportunity to have a full English breakfast and I was, I was appalled at what was put on my plate. Cause it's not just the baked beans. It's like the stewed tomatoes and the mushrooms. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't do the like mushrooms. sacrilegious. Like I'm, you know, like as an American, I'm like, you have disgraced breakfast, you know, where's the pancakes? Where's the, the fruit, you know, like they don't, they don't really do that. Even on the continent, they'll serve like cold meats, uh, mm-hmm. cold cut meats and cheese and things like that for breakfast, which um, again, like threw me really like when, you know, when I would work abroad or travel abroad and you'd stay in a hotel and they'd have a breakfast and you think, Oh, continental breakfast. How lovely, you know, cause I'm used to having continental breakfasts in America, but no, a continental breakfast is like cold cuts and cheese and, you know, bread. And I'm like, Fantastic. What? What it's this? a great way to start the day. Mm. But yeah, with, with like things like a full English breakfast, if you've got your baked beans. Oh, here's another one actually. Fried, fried bread. Do you guys do fried bread? What the hell is fried um, bread? It's basically not like French toast. So you cook okay. your bacon, you cook your sausages, you cook your egg, you got all the fat and the oil left in it. You put like two pieces of bread in it and you just toast the bread in the fat and it soaks it all up. It's basically oh, a heart attack. On bread, but I was going to say my bread. arteries are hard just listening to you talk about that. <laughs> it's it's amazing though. You c- you couldn't have one every day, but you that's the thing the, is like you can feel the I, friction I remember, in my veins right now. <laughs> every every country is very different, and there's a wonderful thing that happened when I was in France, and uh, I was waiting for a taxi to take me back to an airport, and. I went into this place to have some breakfast, just a croissant and a cup of coffee. And um, we'll discuss how the Americans pronounce croissant in a bit. Um, (laughs) And every kind of 10 minutes, this guy would come in and he'd have a small plate of cold cut meats and a glass of white wine. It literally every 10 minutes. And the lady behind the bar I said to her, I said, is that wine he's drinking? And she said, yeah. And I said, wow. You know, because literally he's just necking it, having three slices of meat and walking out. I said, does he do this every day? And she went, at the minute, yeah, because he's working on the building site across the road. (laughs) This guy, every day, literally every 10 minutes would come in, three pieces of ham, shot a glass of wine. And he would go back to work and build a house. Again, I don't think we should judge all French people. On no, I know, either. but everyone's <laughs> everyone's different. You know, you can't judge. But I just thought, what a fantastic, you know, can't imagine living in the house. But uh, it might look like Stonehenge. Yeah. But, yeah, don't knock it till I mean, you've tried it. No. I mean, true. you live in America, you so you can't part. judge now. Mm. So let's discuss croissant and croissant. No, no, no. <laughs> I keep reminding oh, him he's in the country. He can't make fun of the people while he's yeah, you, in the country. You guys are out there <laughs> in the wild. I we mean, make fun of Americans yeah, all the time. Yeah, we make fun, fun of Americans all the time. <laughs> we don't really eat croissants. Oh. Ah, see what I did there? Come out of a tomb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't eat croissants. Is that better? <laughs> Yeah, very well, very good. Do we need to call an ambulance? That was my best. That was my best. Uh, Pepe Le Pew, I think. 
I don't know. They deleted him from history, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, guys, we are one hour eleven minutes. I um. Nobody I'm gonna really go ahead anymore. No, it is. <laughs> 100, 110% fine. Uh, I loved having you guys on today. Liz and I have Thank to work in the morning, unfortunately. Uh, I wish I could have kept you on longer. If we would have started at 8, I could have. It's okay. We love you guys so much. Thank you yeah, so much. And I want you guys to give a plug for what's coming in the near future. Uh, this is your stage, so take it away. Uh, Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what you got uh, just, coming up? Uh, yeah, just uh, check out guyinthecitizens.com and hopefully we'll be coming to a city near you. And I uh, hope you liked our story and our relationship. And same to you guys. Thank you so much for what you're doing to just uh, raise awareness and educate and be open about people's relationships and the troubles we go through and also our successes. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're very humbled that um, you would even think of us as a potential <laughs> example of a modern marriage. <laughs> but you are. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is before we did this, she made the spare bed up for me. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, uh, and, I really appreciate that you guys came on today. I yeah. think that's Thank wonderful. You. I'd love to have you come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'd love to hear more. We after after hear our more. divorce? <laughs> yeah. yeah. During our um, trial. During our definition trial. She's having the full cats. <laughs> Next time the split screen will be like in three. You know, you'll be living in your hotel room. You'll be staying at the house. No, I'll be in um, the garage. <laughs> He'll, have a hot plate. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Absolutely. I've got a leaf blower for air conditioning. There you go. Managed to hot it to the electrics. Oh, take care, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so Bye. much. You have yourself a good night. And we are Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. We are your hosts. My name is Dave. And I'm Liz. And you have a great week. Bye.